All right, well, let's get into this. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. Do I have a reader prepared tonight? I don't see anybody. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1, and we're going to read down probably to verse 3. Uh, so let's, let's read here. Tonight I want to talk about the power to create. Again, I want to talk about the power to create. How many know that your words shape reality? Come on, somebody. How many know that what you say shapes reality? It often boggles my mind at the surprise that people have when they wake up and tomorrow is a disaster. Because they never took inventory of what they said the day before. Why is my life a train wreck? What are you saying constantly? What are you speaking constantly? What is your verbal expressions Throughout the day. Because it has power in it. It's not just you saying things out of frustration. There is actually declarations that are happening. That you and I are shaping the reality that we live in. Well, Pastor, you don't know my life. It's tough. Well, if it's going to change, it's got to start with your words. Before anything else, it's got to start with your words. Because the reality is that you are shaping the world that you're going to live in tomorrow. And you're either going to obey what the Holy Spirit is asking you to say and then put faith in what he's telling you to say. Or you're going to continue in toxic expressions and what it's doing is going to shape your tomorrow. It's going to look like what you are preparing it to look like. We have to get control of our tongues. It's not just words and empty, uh, empty sentences. There is, there is power in what you and I say. There's power in what I say. We can build somebody up or we can tear somebody down. We got too many people in the world that tear people down. There is way more non-spiritual people than there are spiritual people. Amen, somebody. There is way more carnal people than there are spiritual people. We have enough people that are contributing to tearing each other down. Well, you don't know what they did, Pastor. It doesn't matter. What you're obligated to do is be a life giver. If when you come into the kingdom, you are coming into a ministry of reconciliation. Your job is to begin to speak things that is rooted in reconciliation. And build people up. We have way too many people. You know our biggest enemy really is us. If you are born in the kingdom, you need to be contributing to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do and aid what the Spirit's trying to do in the individual's life. Don't be the person that is confirming the negative thoughts that they're already going to sleep with every night. Don't be the person that's working for the spirit of darkness. Rather be the spirit of light. Well, pastor, they need to be cut. You don't know what they're doing. Truth cuts way more than negativity. Truth cuts way more. And someone said, well, I'm just speaking the truth and people don't like the truth. No, 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 no. Truth is dangerous absent of love. Bible says speak the truth in love, not with love. Maybe you don't have permission to actually correct anybody you're not in love with. It's time for some real... Real conversation that's rooted in hearts that are absolutely in love with one another. Because when we are in love with one another, we steward each other's feelings better. Shouldn't be so easy for you to be corrective all the time. 
You know, that's that's a big deal. People don't like to hear that, but that's true. Some people pride themselves on being the correction police. It should be difficult to say hard things to people when you're in love with them because you don't want to hurt them. It's not that it don't need to be said, but it should be somewhat of a struggle. Why? Because you're in love with them. If it's not a struggle, there's something else that's motivating you to be corrective. It's real. That's why it's called a hard saying. Amen, somebody. So let's let's read. Uh, PT, okay, you good? All right. Let's read here. Familiar passage. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. I want you to see that first, first point I want to bring out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? But then it goes on to say that it was without form and it was void. That it's possible to create a reality that does not yet have shape. How do you do that? Words. It's possible to create something that has never been, but does not have enough shape to see it yet. Are you seeing this? When you and I begin to speak life into darkness and speak life into people that have all kinds of other issues going on, you may not see the change. They may look formless. It may look like, man, what's the good of even saying it? I can't see any change in the individual. They're still walking out this and that and doing this and that and this and that. And and, and it almost feels like, well, what's the point of putting the effort in? Because you are still creating something there. You may not see the form yet. It may feel void, but I promise you, his word never returns void. It's working. You just have the inability to see it yet. Why? Because all change starts underground in the dirt. It's a seed. Come on now. It is not going to become its potential without being buried. That's the beauty of the seed. The seed is vulnerable if it's not buried. It has to get dirty to work. You need dirt to grow. You need dirt to change. It's okay tonight? It was formless. It was void. Let's, let's continue, uh, Pastor Tim. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's a big note there. Big thing. Let's continue. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Mm. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Isn't that funny that in the original creation of light it had darkness? When God first created it, light and darkness dwell together. It didn't become something different until God separated it. <laughs> so maybe when you're creating, realize that there's going to be a little bit of darkness in what you're creating. Quit looking for just the light and realize that it might be married to darkness for a season before it separates. Come on, somebody. Maybe they're going to struggle a little bit for a while, even while you're still speaking life. Don't stop speaking life just because you see darkness. Come on now. I told my wife earlier, some people, man, we put demands on people to change. But it's unfair to ask somebody to change just because it gives you comfort. If you don't know their pain, come on now. You're asking somebody to change, but you don't understand the pain they went through, the reason why they had defense mechanisms up, the reason why they act this way. You need to ask God for an understanding of what they went through before you demand change in their life. You're only asking for change because you don't have enough patience to walk out this process with them. 
You don't want to be inconvenienced. It's about you, not them. Oh, this is going to cut a little bit tonight, but that's all right. So we have to understand there is a time where light and darkness dwell together. There's a time where when we speak, we don't see the form. We don't see the, it, it's void. It's, it, it's shapeless. It takes time. Doesn't mean you're not creating with your words. Hey, miss somebody. You with me? So let's, let, let's look here. I'm going to pull out a couple things. First of all, write this down if you're taking notes. The word create is the Hebrew word there, barah. Or barah, however the, they say it in the Hebrew. But the, 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 the spelling, I believe, is B-A-W-R-A-W. Barah is probably how it's pronounced. Some people say B-A-R-A. But the word means to create something from nothing. And there's a big difference because as, as if I was to let Pastor Tim continue to read, if you continue to read the origin story, the Genesis story, here in Genesis 1, you're going to see that God creates things, but then on the other hand, also God makes things. I want, you, I want to pull something here, give you a, a framework of thinking that you can just kind of ponder on later. There is a big difference between creating and making. The Hebrew words are different. Create, barah, means to make something out of nothing, to where make, asa in the Hebrew, actually means to make things out of, uh, how, how can I put, to, to pull from other ingredients and to make something. In other words, you're not making something from nothing, you're actually using ingredients from other places and you're compiling them together and then you're making something out of it. You're not starting from scratch, so to speak. And there's a big difference between the two. Because what's happening is when God makes something new, he typically is pulling from several different places in your life. Several different stories. Several different things that have happened to you. And he pulls ingredients out of from here and there and here and there and there. And then he begins to put it all together. And out of that, he begins to form and he begins to fashion Where creating is he takes something that has never existed before and that he makes it. He's God. He can do that. We don't necessarily always like to be actively involved in the creating process when God calls us to it. Why? Because a lot of times... A lot of times we're so frustrated with individuals that we almost, and how many times have we seen in the church world, this is one thing I wish the church would grow up on. It's like, you know, as soon as we get hurt or somebody does us wrong, what we do is we write people off. Where do you get off writing anybody off when you have been the most offensive person for the last decade of your life and you write people off? You ain't got no license to write nobody off, especially when you're standing on grace For your own life. The nerve that some of us have as Christians to just throw relationships away. I don't do that. Once I'm done with you, I'm done. That's cool, but let's just make it clear. You're not a mature son. Let's just make that clear. Quit rocking the way you you quit walking around talking about I'm a child of God. Really? Really? Yes, he loves you, but you are definitely not mature in your sonship if you could just write people off. Because some people... Listen, just because they're not your friend doesn't mean they're not your assignment. Some people are in your life to be an assignment to you. 
and miss somebody. And thank God. Don't, 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 don't get mad at God because he made them an assignment. At one point, you were somebody else's assignment. And they stuck with you and you need to return the favor. Amen, somebody. And God will continue. I mean, it can get a bit frustrating. I'm not saying you're allowed to be frustrated. Job was frustrated. You're just not allowed to be disobedient. It's hard sometimes being a life giver. It's really hard to be a life giver. You know, sometimes... Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that every relationship is reciprocal. I'm teaching tonight. Some relationships are not going to be reciprocal. Sometimes you have to get your life from somebody else so that you can come and give it back to the person that needs it the most. Some people are in no condition to give you back what what you gave them. Some people don't need a loan. Some people actually need a gift. Come on now, that's what grace is. It's not a loan. It's a gift. It's yours now. He gave it to you. And, and, the, and the truth is, 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 it's difficult to be that person that's assigned, which is, man. One of the best things you'll ever learn in life, listen to PG for a second. One of the best things you'll ever learn in life is to understand the purpose of your relationships. If you confuse the reason why I'm in your life, you'll mismanage it. I'm, the older I get, I, 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 can't, I, I file people. I got files for everybody. Okay, this is who this is, this is who this is, this is who this is, this is how they see, this is how they hear, this is how they perceive. And when I approach that conversation, the older I get, the more I have to pull up that file and remind myself of, of those, those notes that I've mentally put based off all of the history that we have. And then I try to get familiar with that file before I go back into that conversation so that I don't make mistakes that I made prior. Right? Learning the purpose of each relationship will save you valuable time. Just a side note. So let's, let's look at here. In the, so in the beginning, God created heaven's earth. It was formed. It was void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Right? And the Spirit of God hovered. Watch this. And God said. Watch this note, y'all. And the Spirit of God hovered and God said. That's a terrible translation in the King James. That's not any... There's in, every rabbi you will ever study will have a problem with the way that was said in the King James and translated because that's not how it's said. It says in the, in the actual Hebrew, and the Spirit of God hovered, then God said. Not and God said, but then God said. God did not speak until the Spirit did something. I need you to get that point. Because we're learning how to be cautious and wise with our tongue tonight. He did not speak until after the Holy Spirit did something. Getting ahead of the Holy Spirit will cause problems. Speaking before the Holy Spirit or without the Holy Spirit leading you will cause problems. 
A life giver waits on the Holy Spirit before it speaks. You may be able to speak even with a heart that is trying to help and you can still give terrible counsel. All good counsel comes from loving God and waiting on God to reveal. I put that down. I want you to put that in your notes. God used his voice after the spirit has been involved in creating a thing. That is imperative. I cannot tell you how many times I have spoken before the Holy Spirit said speak. How many times I have said something in my life and the Holy Spirit did not yet release me to speak. Sometimes the will of God is simply waiting and just staying quiet. Learning the value of silence, knowing what not to say. If there's no words that are coming to your heart that are spirit-led, just be quiet. Sometimes the will of God for people's life is to let whatever they're going through actually run its course. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary. If he doesn't allow you to wear yourself out, how are you ever going to come to him in that condition? Sometimes sicknesses that we deal with mentally have to actually run their course so that those who are infected realize that that way of thinking was destructive. You'll never be open to counsel until you're proven that your way of thinking was wrong. Arguing with somebody who's arguing with themselves, you'll never win. I'm get, I, I used to get tagged in all these debates on, on social media. I, I quit responding to them. I quit responding to them. Social media has given rise to, given voice to people who really should not have a voice like that on the topic. Why? Because they're not educated on it. Number two, they have not lived enough life. And number three, most of them are fatherless or do not have leaders in their life that are actually speaking wisdom to them. And they just went and putting everything on there. And, and because they get likes, they think they have some authority on the topic. And so I quit responding to those things. Because in order to really bring correction to somebody in a condition that, that, that is imperative that they change, a lot of times those things come through relationship. I've, also, I've often said this. How many of you have heard PG say this? Relate, rules without relationship breed rebellion. So we have to listen to the Holy Spirit so that in listening to the Holy Spirit, we hear how to approach people and say what needs to be said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that we are life givers. We need to be people that are aiding the same changes that God is trying to make in the individual's life. Look at somebody say, are you a safe place? Oh, somebody. Are you the type of environment that I can heal around? Are you the type of environment that aids the healing that God's trying to do in my life? Or am I just going to see the same hurt and pain that I'm dealing with? We need life givers. People that build one another. Paul, there were too many scriptures in the New Testament that I could have pulled up tonight, but I'd have been here all night. Paul is constantly telling the church to edify one another, to build yourself up, constantly speak good, think on these things. I love how Paul said in one, one passage, he said, if there's anything good to think about, like, 
Some people, you got to actually stop and think and find that one good thing. Like, wait a minute. Them are nice shoes. I do like your shoes, man. Them are so, now, where'd you get them at? If there's anything good to build somebody, find it. Why? Because you are not supposed to be aiding the accuser. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Let me tell you something. This is a secret, I guess, to most people the way we live. But, man, people know their sin more than you do. They don't need you to keep reminding of their failures. They live with it. They know their failures. They need some real identity. And I've learned that when people know we love them, then they open up to us. But if, but, but if we don't show that side, we're asking people to change for our own motive, our own convenience, not really them. God, teach us to love one another more. Teach us to genuinely love one another more. Amen, somebody? Wow. Many of us are speaking out of turn, man. You got to let the Holy Spirit speak first. Go to Proverbs 18, 21, just real quick. Popular uh, passage. Um, and let, let's read this. Watch this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Yep. I love the message translation here. It says that words kill, words give life. Everybody said that. Words kill and words give life. The other part of it in the message says they are either poison or fruit. Words are either poisonous or they're fruitful. Which one are you speaking? Which one are you speaking? Words kill or words give life. There's a popular scripture in the Old Testament, and it's, it's repeated in other ways in the New Testament as well, but talks about being kind to your enemy. It's like heaping hot coals over their head. Why would it be like that? Because people who live a life that is reckless or that is reflecting the pain that they've went through, they expect judgment. They expect to be judged. They expect to be condemned. Why? Because they're living with it. Why? Because <laughs> they know they're doing wrong. And so they expect that. And the problem is Jesus is coming and the master of all things is coming. And he's saying, turn your cheek, do good to those who despite please. And what is it? What is it? It's like heaping hot coal. But why? Because it is completely contradicting what they're expecting from the behavior they've been walking out. <laughs> There's power in the way we handle people. One of the biggest enemies to the man or the woman that is dealing with issues in their life is self-condemnation. It's how they view themselves. Most people are so condemned and they walk around with condemnation and they walk around with, with the, the guilt and the weight of the things that they've done. They live with it. They wake up with it. And condemnation will continue to keep you in a mindset that reproduces toxic behavior. That's why the enemy uses it. That's why the, in Romans, that when we're in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's the first thing the cross removes to the believer. It's condemnation. Because he's not condemning you. 
it's imperative that we aid what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in the life of the person. I often counsel marriages. Shawnee and I over the years have, I can honestly say if tonight was my last day and y'all was at my funeral, it better be jumping too, y'all. I swear it better be jumping. Now I'm going to raise myself from the dead and come back and get it popping. But I can honestly say that I feel successful as as a man, as a pastor, as a minister. We've saved a lot of marriages that was on the verge of divorce. Um, We've saved a lot of marriages. And one of the things that I think is so imperative as it relates to relationships and marriages, sometimes, because there's been some that we could not save, we ended up saving the individual. Uh, But some people just don't want to change. And, you know, Counsel is only valued. It's only valuable if the person that's being counseled wants the truth and they're willing to change. And the truth is, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you, you preach reconciliation, but I, I can't reconcile this. this. There's nothing I could do. He won't change or she won't change. And I would often say, never confuse your assignments. If you're a woman and you're married and you're going through hell, there's always the side to where you're the wife. And there's an assignment as a wife. But that even if things don't work out and you end up splitting, that doesn't mean that you still do not owe the individual love. You're still called as a Christian to even love your enemies. Even if they're toxic to you. You're still called to love them. You do not get off the hook because you signed a paper of divorce. You're still called to love them. And I'm going to tell you, if you do not learn that lesson, you'll walk away from a marriage, but you'll also walk away from a quality of spiritual life giving. Because a part of your heart that is supposed to be organic serving God will end up dying in that divorce and you'll start doing relationships from a dead soil rather than doing things the way that it's supposed to be there's a way to transition it has to be spirit led if it's any other thing you're in trouble I never believe anybody that comes to me as a pastor says, it's time for me to transition from VEC. And it happened to be the time that I had to correct you on something you didn't want to change. You didn't hear God, you heard your feelings. There's no way that's coincidental. Now, let's, get, let's walk through it, let's get healed, talk about it in five months, see how you feel. If you still feel that way, maybe it's God. And we bless you. VC is not the final destination for everybody. It is for some people, but not everybody. People come, people go. It's part of life. Um, but my, 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 my point is the way we transition has to be spirit-led. All things have to be spirit-led. The spirit of God is a life giver. And so should we. We should also be that. Can you say amen to that? 
So look at here just real quick, 1821, words kill, words give life. They're either poisonous or they're fruitful. You choose. The word life there in the Hebrew, I love this, this definition, sustenance. That's what life is. You know what sustenance is. It's not just food. It's food that you need to survive. It's not just food. It's not just eat whatever I want. It's food that is necessary to my survival. In other words, your words that are supposed to be life-giving, they are literally words of survival for people. They need your edifying vocabulary. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Uh, Pastor, you don't know how mad I am. It doesn't matter. If, I mean, if it starts with just saying they are a good cook, start with something that's life-giving. I mean, if, you, if it's just, man, if, 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 I don't care what it is. Like, you vacuum great. Whatever it is, find the way you pumped my gas yesterday. I ain't never seen a man pump gas like that. Say something. Come on now. Whatever it may be, find something to give life. Because there's going to come a time when the Holy Spirit will use you to correct. And here's the kicker about people who are wounded. Correction always feels like punishment to them. Doesn't mean you're not giving life. It's the way they're perceiving it. Come on, somebody. But 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 if the only if if ninety five percent of your con- your your conversation with me is always correction, you're gonna have to mix it with some edifying. Why? Because I'm wounded. I think the world's against me. Everybody's my enemy. Woe is me. It's 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 embedded into my thinking. You'll be amazed at how many people are for you and want to see you win once you want to see you win. We see people as we are. (laughs) You ever walk in a room and think everybody's judging you? They're not. You're not that big a deal. They actually went a whole year without even thinking about you. and You think they're judging you now? Come on now. They're judging you. You think that because you're judging you. A guilty conscience always assumes everybody is doing something like judging us. And they're not. It's the way we perceive. Perception is a big deal. So I'm trying to get you to see. Why did I bring up that point? When you are speaking life to people, try to find a balance. Find a balance. The beauty of edifying people, it's like putting money in the bank. You want to withdraw? I dare you to try to withdraw on a bank account that ain't got no money. Insufficient fund. It's coming out so quick. When, when, when you deposit money, that it takes a while for that receipt to come out, right? But when, when, when you're trying to pull out money that ain't there, it's like pfft, insufficient fund. It spits it out so quick. I mean, it's like, geez. And it's on the screen. It stays on the screen. You can't cancel it. It's like, man, I'm not going nowhere until this thing gets off the screen. Ain't nobody about to see I got insufficient funds. Like, and then you, you ever had that, but you try to walk away like you had something like, okay, yeah. Like, like but you know people know you're broke. <laughs> try to walk away like you had some money in there. Uh, yeah, I was just waiting for that check. Just talk to a random stranger to you. I'll just make sure that check deposited. Lying. 
Ain't nothing in there. Then nothing's going to be there after 12. But it's like that. It's like trying to withdraw in an account that you have not invested anything in. You want to bring correction in my life, but you have not invested any life to it. You need to spend your time building me up so that there is enough room for you to make a correction. Be a life giver. You know, the kicker about it is life-giving people are actually corrective without even knowing they're being corrective. <laughs> it's weird how giving life to somebody actually comes with, like, this built-in alignment. <laughs> like, you can actually be such a life-giver to people that it builds them in such a way that their destructive nature starts to minimize and their real identity emerges. This is a good... Here's the other thing. It's important to understand that everything God created was created twice. It's created in the mind first. And then second is reality. Everything created is created twice. Once in the mind and the next in reality. What is so important is to bridge that gap between the mind and reality is words. I want to challenge you tonight. I dare you for seven days until next Saturday, which will be at the record, I dare you to start speaking life over yourself and over everybody else. Just make it in your heart. Just put it in your heart. I'm going to be a life giver. I'm speaking life, 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 life. And watch how your world changes. Watch how favor finds its place in your life. Watch. Stop being so doggone critical. And just take just seven days and just shape your reality by being a life giver. Watch what happens. I dare you right now to raise your hand, those that will, to say, I'll make a covenant. I'm going to make that covenant. I'm, I'm going to be a life giver. I'm going to try seven days. Watch what your next seven look like after that. You're literally shaping your tomorrow by the things that you are saying today. Amen, somebody. Come on, say, I am favored. Come on, say, God loves me unconditional. Come on, you're putting it out there. Come on, say, I am completely forgiven. Favor is coming my way. Come on, somebody. I want you to say that one more time. Favor is coming my way. Healing is coming my way. In Jesus' name. Watch that. The, the universe just shifted in your world. You don't even know it. It just shifted in your world. It just went, all right, time to pay attention here. Why? Because you just let it be. Notice when God was creating, he said, let there be light. Something's already created waiting on you. You just have to let it be. It's already there, but you got to get out of your own way. Let it be. Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus also be in you. It's already created. It's just waiting to come into your world, but you got to let it happen. You got to let it be. It's there. It's done. You got to get out of your own way. Now, matter of fact, we got to get out of our way. I ain't preaching to you. I'm preaching to all of us. We got to get out of our own way. Favor is yours. Can you say amen to that? 
Just real quick, I'm going to give you one that. It's Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Watch this. PT, uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Let's read down a few verses. I'll stop you when I'm ready. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And Isn't it funny? I, I hate to, to, to well, you, you know me, PT, at this point. It's all love. If he ain't used to me by now, it's never going to happen. Uh, this man has been rocking with me for a while. I love how every healing in scripture has a location. He doesn't just heal you. He reminds you where the healing happened. He locates your place of pain and then the transition from the pain to the wholeness. It's so imperative to have a history with God. Man. (laughs) It's so imperative to realize you have a history with God. Then to dwell on it. That's what the Ark of the Covenant was in the Old Testament. It wasn't just this gold box he was carrying around. It had the testimonies that God did with Israel, and they put it inside the box. That was called the most holy place, and they would carry that around. That was the presence of God. It was the most holy place. Why? Because God wants you to remember. Part of your strength that's coming to you tomorrow is rooted in you remembering how he brought you through yesterday. It's so imperative because you'll find yourself looking at an obstacle that you're fearful. How's it going to happen? I don't know where it's coming from, what this is going to do. I have no burden, no leverage, nothing I can do here. How's it going to happen? God says, turn around. Remember last time you prayed that prayer to me. I got you through it. Now look at that. Look at what you're facing through the lenses of your last victory. (laughs) If he did it before, come on, if he did it before, he'll do it again. There ain't nothing new. He's the same God. He loved you then. He loves you now. He wouldn't have put something in front of you that you couldn't whip with him. David's battle wasn't with Goliath. It was with faith. David wasn't facing Goliath. He was facing faith. He threw a stone out of trust. And it found its mark. It wasn't his aim that killed Goliath. It was his trust. Well, I'm teaching like we full house tonight. This is, Look at Jesus left all these places down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region. Watch this. Verse 32. Some people brought him a man who was deaf. Could hardly talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand, place his hand on him. <clears throat> That's the problem. Don't just ask God for healing and then tell him how he's supposed to heal you. Don't ever box him in and say, okay, I need healing, but here's how I want you to do it. Because I'm going to tell you a little something about the Lord and Savior. I'm going to tell you a little something about our great teacher, our rabbi, the Lord of the universe. He's not going to do it the way you're asking him. If you don't know anything, you might, I'm telling you all, if, if you've been walking with God for any amount of time, he never gives you gifts wrapped the way you want them. He never, ever, come on now, the person you think is going to bless you is not the person he's going to use at all. So you was kissing up for nothing. Come on now. Let's just keep it real. God does work in mysterious ways. 
And, and you can't just say, God, heal me, and then here's how I want you to heal me. No, God typically doesn't deliver us comfortably. Does not happen that way. That's just not, I don't know that God. And if he does, then that's a surprise to me. But I've never known God to do it my way. And watch here. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. And then he spit. (laughs) This is not what they asked him to do. God, we didn't say nothing about a noogie. Nothing about no spit. There's COVID going on around here. You spitting on folk. We just wanted you to leave. Just tap. The last guy got it. He just spoke. Why do I got to get the saliva? How bad do you want to be healed? God typically heals us in the way we don't want. So that part of our healing is humility. Because part of our pain is pride. Then he spit and he touched a man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh he said to him, I don't even know what that word is. Ephatha. I said it good. Which means to be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. I put this down first of all. What's the first thing Jesus healed? What was the first thing he healed here? After he spoke, verse 35, at this, the man's ears, the first thing Jesus healed was his hearing, the way he heard. Some of you are completely surrounded by the answers you need for deliverance, but it's the way you hear. It's why every revelation Jesus said, he said, he that have an ear, hear. Some of y'all got everything you need to aid the change that you are looking for in your life. It's your hearing is the problem. When you are in pain and you are walking in pain and you have all kinds of inner dysfunction going on, it is messing with the way you hear things. Somebody can say something that is meant to give you life and you hear it as an enemy rather than as something that is aiding change in your life. Why? It's the way you hear it's impossible to go through pain and it not attack your hearing. An old Proverbs, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. When you change the way you look at things, the things that you look at change. Our perceptions are killing us. We imagine enemies where there are none. There's actually more people that want to see you win than want to see you fail. You're not popular enough for everybody to be against you. There's way more people that do not know you than that do. Our perceptions have to change. Jesus healed the man's hearing first. Why? Because if he can correct your hearing, then whatever he does, whatever you say out of your mouth, is going to come from an accurate perspective. The tongue came second, but the hearing first. God can get to the way we perceive things. And how does that happen? We get around a bunch of life givers. 
people that give life. There's always something you can find in somebody that you can build them. Uh, always something that you can find, that you can build. I work out with a gentleman at the gym, and COVID, that COVID weight killed me, y'all. 2020 was a, was a cheeseburger and fries for me. And uh, it sure was. <laughs> cheeseburger, fries, uh, what, what shows I've been watching. I mean, it, yo, it was just like 2020 was the year of fat. And, uh, I mean, y'all, listen, y'all don't understand. Like, I can't shop at Zara no more. I can't shop at Zara no more. Listen, you know you're getting bigger when all jeans are skinny jeans. It's like, when they all start fitting like skinny jeans, it's like, oh, my gosh. I'm, if I don't lose weight, I'm going to be rocking Lee's. Um, and <laughs> I was working out, and I'm, I'm doing a little bit better now. I'm trying to get something going. And uh, I, I was working out with this guy named Dre, older gentleman. He was a firefighter with uh, Shawnee's father. Dre's a life giver. Gets on my nerves, too, because sometimes when I get up, I, I don't want to. He's just too happy. There should be like a happy should start at like 830. Like, dude, you're six. You're happy still. Um, but he's always happy. And I'll never forget. <laughs> we, was, uh, we was working out. And uh, he's like, okay, let's finish this workout. There's this thing in the gym. I don't know if y'all ever seen this. It's got a tire on it and two, two poles, and, you, and you, it's got a sled, and you got to push it. And you're running. And we, I got down the first time. I feel strong. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. It's, we're doing sets of 10. Um, back, back, back. I, I, I said, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. Let's go. I got to that third lap, dude. And I, when I tell you, I was like, I can't. I said, Dre, man, I got cramped. He's like, no, man, but you just got three, man. That's good. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's failure. No, he's like, no, that's good. Because you was going to stop at one. Like, he found something to encourage me about, and I was a complete failure. Oh, I mean, I failed bad, miserably. Cramping, I had, you ever been, you ever used a muscle that you've never used before? That's what was happening. And, uh. Dre's that guy, he's a life giver. Well, now I'm doing the sets with him. And it's, it's a whole lot easier. Why? Because he encouraged me. It made me not want to quit. Because, I mean, he's 60-something years old and he's doing it. And I'm mad watching him do it. Yeah, what are you talking about, babe? You do it. Watch. Don't, don't be laughing at me, woman. She won't even go to the gym with me no more so she can sneak and not have, have a real workout. Uh... She be over there with Chantel. Listen, both these people in this house, watch. They'll get up and, and sit there and get on Facebook and talk while they're walking two, two mile an hour on that treadmill. Everybody say life giver. You guys, you know what? You guys, you guys look good walking that slow. Like I couldn't walk that slow and look that good. I'll find something to give life. But Dre's a life giver. He built me up, and because of that, and it's a very practical story, but the reality is that it does breed life. It breeds hope. It breeds, it breeds, it, it creates, it creates life in somebody. And uh, I want to challenge y'all this week to do that. Do it in every area of your life. Try to find something positive to celebrate somebody over and be a life giver. And watch what God does for you.
Not just life giving to other people. Be a life giver to yourself. Get out of your own head and start creating the reality that you want to see manifest in your life. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand to our feet.